Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and with me on the phone is Fred Quayar. Fred, how are you today? Hi. Happy Monday. <laughs> yeah, happy Monday. It's so good to hear from you. It's uh, It's been a while, and it's been a while since I've done a show, too, so we're kicking off the fall season with Fred Quayer, everyone, and um, he has this new cool book out called The Buffer Zone Diet, but uh, I want to just give you a little bit, a bit of background on him, too, but I want you to chime in, Fred, if you can, because um, sure. you're, a top, you're a top diamond expert and a three-time Guinness Book World Record holder in jewelry design, and you do all this amazing stuff. I've seen you, um, that cool Rubik's Cube, the diamond Rubik's Cube, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you, you know. have all these things. So um, tell me, why did you shift gears into like a, I'll get you right off the bat here with a question. Why did you shift gears into a book about dieting and health? What's going yeah, on? I, 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 I didn't think I would, to be honest with you. I mean, I had a good gig, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the top diamond experts in the world. I, a bestseller with, with the How to Buy a Diamond book. I really thought that was it. That was my, my, my destination in life. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but about, I guess, you know, 15 years ago, I had a stroke. I had a right hemisphere stroke. I was paralyzed on the left side of my body, had six months of rehab. And after I kind of came to, the doctor said to me, hey, uh, Fred, can I be frank with you? And I was like, sure, go ahead. He goes, you're fat. You need to lose some weight. And uh, if you don't, the next time you have a stroke, it's going to kill you. And and it was one of those, you know, come to Jesus moments. And I was like, okay, all right. And and I kind of lost weight the old school way, you know, eat a bunch of little tiny meals, calories in, calories out. I counted everything. I had a food diary, and little by little, I lost the weight, and did a pretty good job of keeping it off for over ten years. But then slowly but surely, it crept back up on me, and then the next time, suddenly I, I found myself with the weight back then again, and I tried to lose it again. I couldn't, and then I said, something's up here. There's clearly things that. I believe about the body and about diet and weight loss that aren't correct. There can't be this many people who have, the average person has 23 pounds of body fat that they don't want on them. Uh, There's got to be more to it than this. I'm a systems designer by trade, and so I have. I've spent the last few years now literally studying and figuring out what is true, what isn't true, and of course that's when I found the formula that regulates weight for the human body and and now have the new best-selling book, The Buffer Zone Diet. Awesome. So I don't know if anybody else is listening here, but this is a guy on the phone <laughs> admitting that he's yo-yo dieting a little bit. You know, you keep it, well, not yo-yo dieting, but you know, you keep it on and then yeah. you keep it off and then it comes back on. And, you know, we all yeah. go through this and I don't know how old you are, but I'm 48 and I'm looking at myself going, yep, there's 20 pounds on me again. And I don't know where <laughs> it came from. <laughs> you know, it just sucks. 
Totally. Well, well, maybe it's in the good places for you. Maybe that's okay. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> thank you for that. You saved that one. But, you know, you, it just, it, I don't know. There's a lot of people listening who I thought this um, could be touched with this uh, information today because, you know, we're relatable. You know, it's, it's completely relatable. It's a journey we all go on. And everybody's yeah. wondering, how do you actually stay in what you're calling like a buffer zone diet? You know, how do you actually stay in that awesome spot where you don't have to really worry about it anymore. So I'm curious. Tell us, well, please. The, 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 the thing that was interesting to me was the thing, the, the basic premise of all beliefs associated with me with diets were, hey, it's very straightforward. Calories in, calories out, uh, and exercise. If you're fat, it's your fault, and you're clearly eating too much. But what I found was there were people that would stay within a particular caloric allowance every single day uh, and would exercise but would not lose weight. And that's what didn't make sense to me. So at some point it hit me, wait a second, the body uh, is a system uh, and systems can run on supply-side economics, demand-side economics. Maybe, just maybe, it makes a difference when the calories hit your body. The book is titled The Buffer Zone Diet. It's not just what you eat, it's when you eat. So I found out you could take two people, and let's say each of them was allotted 2,000 calories for the day. The typical guy would say, wake up in the morning, and he's a calorie hoarder. He goes, okay, I got 2,000 calories. I got this many points. and All right, I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to waste anything right now. And then lunch comes, and it was like, well, just a little bit. I'll just use a little bit of my allowance. And he would run his body on empty all day long when he needed the calories. Then he'd get to the end of the day and go, aha, I've got all these calories. I can use them now. And the truth is, no, you can't. Those, some of those calories were designed for the morning. Some of those calories were designed for lunch. And some were designed for end of day. If you miss the opportunity to have those calories, they don't roll over. Think of it this way. If you went to a doctor... <laughs> Yeah. And you went to a doctor, and the doctor says, you need to take a pill, a pill for breakfast, a pill for lunch, and a pill for dinner. Now imagine you woke up in the morning and went, oh, oh gosh, I forgot to take my breakfast pill. You call the doctor on the phone, and you can't get a hold of him. He's, he's with other patients. You're like, well, should I, should I, should I double up? And, 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 and the answer traditionally is no. That first pill was designed to get you to lunch. The second pill is designed to get you to dinner. So... Imagine you have people who are skipping breakfast, maybe even missing lunch, then coming home at the end of the day and going, hey, I can have the breakfast pill and the lunch pill. No, you're going to OD. You don't need 2,000 calories to get you for the last five hours a day. So I think that's the problem with the calories in, calories out part is the other person who says, hey, I got 2,000 calories. I'm going to use 20% for breakfast. Hey, I'm going to make lunch maybe my big meal of the day. I'll have 50% then, or 60% then, and another 20% at the end of the day. The other thing, too, is people are killing themselves with snacks. The typical American has 523 calories of snacks a day on top of the three meals a day. So we are just eating way too frequently, way too often, and at the wrong times. And probably way too much, especially if you eat all that at night and then go to sleep. Oh, yeah, you go into a food coma, and then the number of people who say to me, Fred, I have such problems in sleeping. You talk about it in the book, how critical sleep is is important to making sure that you're you're healthy. 
And they'll say, look, I'll, I'll go to bed okay at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, but then why is it I wake up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning? Look, you just put all these calories in right before you went to bed. You passed out. And then it takes about three to five hours to empty that stomach from the stomach to make uh, uh, food chime This that uh, goes into the small intestine. And then the fuel gets distributed to your body. So it's like getting a shot of adrenaline. So at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, your body goes, okay, you gave us fuel. Where are we going? Where are we going? Let's go. Let's go someplace. <laughs> You're not going anywhere at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Three Americans who just won the Nobel Prize for identifying the gene that regulates circadian rhythms, they said it. Hey, you're either in wake mode or in sleep mode. And then I was able to prove with the buffer zone diet that if the calories are coming in while you're in wake mode, you're going to gain weight. If the calories go in um, during sleep mode, you're going to gain weight. If you take the, yeah. gallery, the calories in during um, awake mode, you're going to use them, you're going to burn them, and things are going to be better. So when those calories goes in your body becomes a critical part of the whole uh, combination. Awesome. So if somebody's listening, since we're going to do a 30-minute show today, um, I really wanted to give people um, like really good, juicy information that they could take, yeah. you know, really apply to their life. Of all the things here that people can learn in your book, what do you want to, what do you want to tell people? Like from the top 10 lies we've been told about our diet to the four laws of weight management, can you p- kind of pick one thing and – and kind of oh, go yeah, through what's totally. most important to you? Yeah, and, and th- this has been the summer of, 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 of uh, all the different TV shows and radio shows have been mm-hmm. on. I've been over 500 radio and television shows, and they do. Awesome. A lot of them, I mean, this is wonderful having 30 minutes. A lot of times I'm on a show, i got three minutes, i got two minutes, and i got to nail it. Mm-hmm. If I were to give one key tip, uh, I would say to someone, hey, when the sun goes down, the fork goes down. Try to put four to five hours between... Uh, the, the last meal of the day and when you're going to go to bed at night. You really don't need that heavy food at night. Now, I, I, I get it. Occasionally, you're going to have that late night meal. But the idea of putting this food, because people go, wow, don't eat two to three hours before you go to bed. Actually, it needs to be longer than that. Um, when American Heart Association, the Journal of Nutrition endorsed the book, they all basically looked at four key components. The, the main one being is, what is the time frame between your overnight fast? Most people don't know. It takes 10 hours for your body to access fat fuel. So if you stop eating at 6 o'clock tonight, that means at 4 o'clock in the morning, your body will transition to start burning fat fuel. So if you could say to yourself, well, all right, I'm going to try to run my body 20% of the time on fat fuel so I can lose some of that extra fat that I don't want on me. Then you could say, all right, Come 9 a.m., I'll have breakfast. You can't skip breakfast. So from 6 p.m. to 9 a.m. the next morning, about 15 hours, the first 10 hours takes for your body to transition to fat fuel. That's five hours of fat fuel burning. That's about 437.5 calories of pure body fat every single night. That's 3,500 calories in a pound. So by just doing this, you can burn fat while you sleep, so every seven to eight days, you're going to lose one pure pound of body fat. It's wonderful. Like I'm 178 now. I have, I'm six feet tall, 54 years old. I haven't weighed this since I was a freshman at Texas A&M. So, and then the people that, 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 that write me and say, Fred, I lost 50 pounds on the buffer zone. I've lost 30. I've lost 20. All these people who say, I'm not too, type 2 diabetic anymore. You've changed my life. Oh, my God. I mean, that's... You know, I've loved selling diamonds. I've I've loved selling Super Bowl rings and stuff, but 
that now that people are, I'm saved, helping save their lives, God, it's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome. So how much weight have you lost? Just curious. Uh, over 40 pounds. Yeah, that's I'd awesome. gotten up to, uh, originally I had lost close to 50, but this time around I was up close to 40 pounds. And I'm going to keep prying for a minute. What do you do to sure. put on your weight? What do you What do you personally do? If you'll share with us, when when you're in that mode and you you're creeping up there in the weight, what are you eating? What are you doing? What are you exercising? Well, I'm I'm always curious what people do to put on their weight. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing we do because kind of like what we eat in private, we show publicly. <laughs> I always think it's like uh, here's my pizza, and yep, there it is on my thighs. Um, it's, but look, yeah. you, can't make, you can't make food the bad guy. Look, we can delay gratification, and, that, and I think that's the key to the buffer zone, is what you know about habit is that the same cues are going to keep showing up in your life. Stress cues, emotional you know, eating cues, I mean, those are going to be there, right? Uh, if, you, if, if when you're stressed, you say to yourself, and you're like, I want a cookie or whatever it is like that, and you say, no. Cookie, bad for you. Pizza, bad for you. Uh, shepherd's pie, bad for you. You're never having that again. Good luck. You cannot win a logical argument with an emotional side of yourself. It's not going to happen. But what you can say to yourself is, like my wife had gone to Costco, and she got these little fresh uh, macarons, French macarons that were just delicious. And she brought them home, and, and I realized, hey, that's the, I really love that as a dessert or key lime pie, whatever it is. But this isn't my big meal today. I like to have my big meal of the day at lunch. So after I front load my, my healthy uh, salad and then whatever entree I'm going to have, I put the high glycemic foods at the end. So to answer your question, I think a lot of us, it's, it's, it's really not the food you're eating. It's the time you're eating them. So I find that when I'm, I'm not bored, I'm, 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 I'm focused on something, I'm in a project, I'm at work, I'll be honest with you, food's not a problem, not for me. But God help me the minute I get bored. God help me when I start getting in my head. So if I'm at home, it's 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, and I remember, oh, my God, there's some homemade peanut brittle downstairs from Uncle Ray. Jeez, that, and I start fantasizing, thinking about it. I will lose that battle unless I talk to myself and say, hey, you can have that. Just having it right now at 9 o'clock at night, it's just going to turn into fat. Whereas if I have it tomorrow at 1 o'clock for lunch with my main meal, I'll be good to go. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I guess if, if <laughs> I still think, I don't know, it depends on if you can stop yourself too from eating like the whole bucket or the whole everything. Cause that could be all your calories for the day. Um, do you well, still believe? Because, yeah, go ahead. Well, well, because I tell people, cause look, you go home for lunch. You've been thinking about the peanut brittle. You don't start off with peanut brittle. I'm sorry. The, the, you go to a restaurant, the typical amount of calories in a serving at a restaurant is 12, 13, 1400 calories. And that doesn't count the appetizer or the spinach dip or the cheesy toast and this kind of stuff. So what you need to do is, just like the, the, the trunk of your car, what do you put in first in the trunk of your car when you've got luggage? Do you put the big luggage in first or the little stuff? You put the big stuff in first because if you put the little stuff in, you're never going to have room for the big important stuff. And so I promise you if you say, I'm going to have the peanut brittle first and then I'm going to have my entree and then whatever room's left over, I'll have some salad. You're going to get fat. But if you say to yourself, no, 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 I'm going to front load to have a nice three, four cup, a nice big giant Caesar or whatever salad. I'm going to have my big salad first, then the entree. I'll be honest with you, by the time you get to the peanut brittle, because of the ghrelin levels, which is the hunger hormone, have now dropped, 
the leptin that's in your adipose tissue is now showing up in your, in your mind. It's just like when you go to a buffet. Oh, I'm going to eat everything in this buffet. No, at some point, you're not going to even be able to look at the buffet. And so that's the key. Put in your big, healthy, low-glycemic foods in first, and then when you do want to have some of the other stuff, the peanut brittle, the, the piece of chocolate, or whatever your you know, little temptation is, a cookie, um, you're not going to eat too much because there's not enough room for it in your stomach. Yeah. So I've, I, that's great, great information and so true. So save the, save the good stuff to the last, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got two words going on, and I'm, I'm curious. I don't sense any like need to be politically correct from you of fat, the word fat and the word diet. You know how yeah. sometimes like those words are like, don't use the word diet. We don't diet. We don't diet. We don't diet. Or, you know, we there's just all sorts of crazy stuff going on. You're pretty comfortable using the word fat and using the word diet. Why? Well, you know what's interesting is the book was never going to be the buffer zone diet. At the end, the publishers said, people aren't going to understand this, Fred. We need to add the word diet in terms of everybody has a diet, whether they're eating. I mean, in the terms of what are you eating? What do you, what's your diet consist of? We want to look at it in, in that terms. But when you look in the term of word of diet being, I'm depriving myself of something that I love, and I'm saying that something is not good for me or bad for me. No, look, too much water will kill you. Too much, it, everything yeah. is in moderation, right? Uh, you look at these hazing incidents where people go, well, we were only drinking water. We don't know why, why he, he died or he had this problem and stuff like that. Well, no, because he, the sodium content in his body lowered so much that even with water you could hurt somebody. So diet is more reference of, hey, what is the foods that you love to eat? I, I believe in fewer meals that mean more to you. The typical person is having two to three meals a day over 500 calories and five to seven eating events where they put some kind of calories in their body on top of that. That means your typical American is putting some kind of calorie in their mouth every 96 minutes. That's nuts. 1% of body fat will keep you alive for three days. We're eating way too frequently. And the more frequently eat, like when your mother says to you, don't eat that snack. It's going to ruin your appetite. It's going to ruin your meal. It's true. When you eat a little snack before <laughs> meal, you, you don't really enjoy the food as much. So, um, and in terms of fat, fat is an acronym for fatty acid tissue. It is the correct word. It sounds like a, a nasty, bad, horrible word. That's pejorative, but the reality is it's legitimate. It's a way of talking about triglycerides and stuff. And so, no, my, my, my reaction is I want to talk the language that we all talk about. And, and, and look, there's some people that shop for therapy. There's some people that drink uh, of food. And, and the reality is none of those things are a way to cope with whatever you're going through. They, they really aren't. And, and, and at a basis, if you're saying – geez, I'm anxious and I'm going to eat so I feel less anxious, eh, it's not going to work so good. The fat and the salt and the sugar is going to taste really good for a few minutes, but then after that, man, you're going to have a problem. And yeah. so uh, I can tell you that being thin now and not having to worry about my weight, um, I still have regular problems, like you know, toothaches, i got to go to the dentist, i got regular stuff you know, that everybody kind of has, but fat isn't on the list anymore. The fact that I no longer have to worry about my weight anymore, and that's what people are telling me, that Fred, this book is not a diet book. It's a, hey, there's a time to eat, there's a time not to eat, and there's a way to eat properly that no one ever told me. So I'm glad I'm helping yeah. people. 
No, I, I love it. Um, let's talk about two more things, uh, maybe sure. more if you have time. Um, can we talk sure. about exercise? How, how does exercise play into all of this? And what do you do for exercise, for example? Well, I used to exercise too much. I, I, I'm kind of a goal-oriented guy. So I start to exercise, and I'm like, well, geez, what did I do yesterday? Let's top that, and let's top that. Eventually, <laughs> you can't keep doing that. And then next thing you know, I'm, wearing, I'm in a boot, and I'm wearing crutches, and now I can't exercise at all. And so I found there was two things that really made me hungry. One, when I exercise, I get hungry. Uh, and two, snacking makes me hungry. So these, when someone tells you, hey, eat a bunch of little tiny meals all day long, well, good luck with that. And it's like, just eat a potato chip and you'll be fine. No, it just makes you want to keep eating. Um, but in terms of, in the book, I talk about the idea that there are four things that kind of have to be in balance. And it's not just diet. Think of the acronym SEED, S-E-E-D, sleep. If you're, if you're sleep deprived, studies show you look at the obesity rate of people who aren't getting enough sleep at night, man, it's through the roof. So what happens is you're exhausted, your brain goes, I'm tired, and then something says, well, I know, Let, let's, let's, let's have a peanut butter jelly sandwich or, or let's have some M&Ms. And you go for that quick burst of energy and then you just keep that cycle. So sleep's important. E in the next word is exercise. Well, you don't need to be a nut about it. Studies show that about 150 minutes a week, not a day. I used to work out an hour and a half on cardio a day just so that I could, quote, eat the extra cookie or the extra slice of whatever of, of pizza because I love pizza. Me and pizza, we, 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 were, too. we, were, we were lovers in another life. I love pizza. <laughs> it's just a lot of sodium in pizza. And what happens is you'll get a slice of pizza and go, I really wasn't that bad. You'll get on the scale the next day and go, oh, I'm three pounds heavier. No, Isn't that no, wild? no, no. Most of that's water retention from the amount of sodium that's typically kept in the pizza. Uh, now, if you just keep eating a lot more, you can have problems. So, but, so, no, about 20, 30 minutes of cardio a day is really all you need. Get your heart rate going. And then about 10 minutes of strength training a day. That's, that's there. And then uh, your environment is critical. I found that hoarders or people that lived in uncleanly environments uh, who didn't know how to let go of things and stuff in their life – uh, they also tended to be uh, more obese, more fat, or more weight challenged. So I even talked about it in the book, the idea of, hey, uh, does my home all cluttered up? Is my car a mess? Is my workstation covered with papers and junk everywhere? If you're in a chaotic environment, your body's going to go, well, if we're living in chaos, why not just keep eating? But once you start cleaning up and there's more order in your life and your brain sees it, it tends to make you want to keep better habits. And then finally, you got the diet. I like that. So sleep, exercise, environment, and diet. Yeah, bingo. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. So we talked about exercise, and that brought that up. Let's talk about what people are drinking because there's a lot of uh, whether it be alcohol or energy drinks or oh my god, I, I, I was or, I, <laughs> yeah I was on a panel the other day and I'm and I'm next to this drop dead gorgeous woman okay and and anybody watching goes whatever she's doing I want some of this I want to do this <laughs> right. and and she's there to represent the green drink industry right so she's she's talking about this giant industrial sized blender that you can take anything in and put it in there and out it comes and she drinks it and yay me and and look at me you drink green drinks and you'll look like me and she attacks me she says to me um i saw that you don't like you know green drinks you 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 put those down in the book and and you're wrong look at me 
because I can't, this body can't be wrong. And I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, Uh okay. I said, here's my question for you. My question for you is, how long after you drink one of your green drinks are you hungry? My guess is it's probably pretty soon, within an hour, an hour and a half, you're hungry again. And she said, yeah, but that's just the way it is. I said, no, it isn't. She goes, but I'm putting in all the nutrition my body wants, and, um, and, and I'm right. And I said, look, I'll give you a simple analogy. Imagine for a second we had a fire, a bonfire outside, and I take a log of wood and I put it on that, that uh, fire. Well, guess what? Will it burn that log of wood all right now? No, it's going to take a while to burn that. So the good news is that fire will keep a certain amount of heat as long as that wood's there, good to go. Now, I take that log of wood, and I follow your plan. I take it, and I put it in your heavy-duty blender, and I turn it all into sawdust. Now I take all that sawdust, and I throw it onto the fire. Yeah, that's pretty fun and exciting for about 10 seconds. The problem is, an hour from now, I still got my log burning because of the way I ate my food, but because of the way you prepared your food, you're going to be spending most of the time always hungry. I'm not saying that you can't be nutritious and drink green drinks. You're just going to be hungry all the time. My right mom there is on the hilarious. panel, she said, okay, okay, I got to read your book. Okay, I'll, okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and she folded. Yeah. She folded like a tent. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. It's, My so, mom has so, your book. And she's oh, and, okay. and for one second because it's on that topic. I I said you know because for a long time everybody's been on these green smoothie kicks and even me and yeah. I've I've chimed in about them forever. And I said this is the first book I've read where there's no no mention of this and you know and I can hear you talking about it now even more you know energetically about your hatred of them. And my mom <laughs> said, listen. <laughs> my mom said, listen. If I'm gonna have that crap in the morning, just give me the spinach salad, give me the cucumber, and give me the pear. <laughs> She's yeah. 73 and she, she was just almost hysterical about her. it. She's like, I am not grinding that that up and drinking it. No. And I said, but you'll lose weight. She's like, I can lose the same amount of weight if I eat it this way. In fact, I'll lose more because I won't be starving like you are. <laughs> she's <laughs> right. Funny. My God. She God bless right. her. She, she, yeah. She's absolutely right. Oh, so funny. But yeah, that's a great, that is such a great visual with the sawdust. Like, poof. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. All right, what else should we ch- chat about before we've got to go here? We've got a couple minutes more. It's great talking to you, by the way. I totally miss oh, you. I'm glad you're great, here. Great talking to you. No, what, what I would tell people is that, look, I mean, I, I watch television and, and I see all these fires, right, in, 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 oh, in California. Yeah. I mean, just, just, there. It, just devastating, right? And... Um, there was this, when I used to do, do a lot of motivational speaking, I would talk to somebody in the audience and I would say to them, imagine there's a fire and you've got a chance to just save one thing. One thing. If you attempt to save two things, you're going to die. What is the one thing that you save? Now, I hear answers like uh, maybe jewelry, uh, photographs, my passport, and then I remind them that they all just died. Because the one thing, the most valuable thing you will ever own is your body. Right. Don't think of it that way. So if there's enough time just to get one thing out of there, get your behind out of there. Some of the people, unfortunately, who lost their lives look like they hesitated a little bit. And it's not a time to hesitate. That's just stuff. 
look, we're here for such a short period of time. To be alive is so wonderful and so great. I don't care what you're going through. We're here for microseconds. To be here for personal growth, relationships, helping other people, making a difference in other people's lives, that's the good stuff. So many people are confused about, oh, geez, it's about status and stuff and praise and rewards and money. Really? Not not that I found. Make a difference in other people's lives and start by getting yourself healthy, by taking care of this body. I mean, they have body shops, but I've gone in them. You can't get a new body if you lose this one. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. That was exactly the pretty much the same conversation I had when I was in um I was in Napa this past week um with my time management seminar and it, everybody was talking about how they wanted well they weren't really talking about we you know we were talking in the content co- context of achieving the next thing, the next status, the next promotion, the next impression, the next this and the next oh, that and I nuts. kind of brought it all back. Yeah, I brought it all back Chasing to your health. Tail. It's totally chasing your tail, and especially if you're coming from a point of never feeling good about yourself. So you need the accolades to kind of fill that gap in um, or try to fill that gap in, which it doesn't work so well. And we were just putting it all in the context of how much time you have here on the planet and um, what you're going to do with your time. And I pointed it all the way back to health. So it's interesting that you you mentioned that because without your health, I don't think you have anything. And this is a great um, tool and a great book. I hope everybody listening grabs a copy of Fred's book, reads it. And um, I love that you're so accessible on Twitter also. Um, So I have a notion and a hunch that if, uh, maybe that's the same thing, but if people wanted to reach you, they can just easily tweet you and just ask a question. You're so accessible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but but to the point you're saying, never, never give up now for what's next. Anybody who's going to tell you that they know what's next or they know what's going to happen in the future is lying to you. Nobody knows what's next. But right now, oh, I love we know that. what's happening right now. Yeah. I love that. That is. A, will you put that out on your Twitter? Sure. If you haven't already, uh, never give up. I haven't, get, but I'll Never do that. give up now for what's next. Ooh, I yeah. love that. Everybody yeah. listening? That's Fred. I'm going to spell your name, too. Um, just because I am the destroyer of last names and I, and I got it right, but I just want to make sure people understand how to spell it. So on Twitter or anywhere, it's Fred, F-R-E-D, and then Quayar, C-U-E-L-L-A-R. And um, you're very easy to find on Twitter. And uh, gosh, there, there's a lot of people following you and stuff. And I'm always amazed at how interactive you are with people. Um, it, it's the one thing that I've tried to model my own Twitter account after is, um, is you just, uh, how you oh, interact thank and you what so you much. do. And so, yeah, thanks for teaching me Twitter a long time ago. <laughs> oh, I appreciate God, it. It's, the years it's have gone by, my goodness. Haven't yeah. they? And, um, so how are you, I'm going to ask you one more question off the, off the book. Sure. Um, everybody can, I would, I'm going to chime in really fast and just say everybody can go to Amazon and get your book. Is there any place else? That you would everywhere. like people it's to It's all the bookstores. It's everywhere. The, uh, the bufferzonediet.com. Okay. Anywhere you want. It's a piece of cake. Okay. Okay. And then aside from that, how are you in Texas with all the flooding? Were you affected by that? And what can we do since you're in Texas to help people with the floods? Yeah, I, I think what happened was everyone paid attention here briefly. And then, and then all the other things happened, right? I mean, right. Vegas happened. And then the fires happened. And then Puerto Rico I couldn't imagine the fact it's been a month and they say 85, 90% of people still don't have electricity. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think which, which 
I think kindness and compassion and love starts in your own backyard. You know, It's amazing how many times people say, hey, let's give to this person over here, over here. If you look around to the left or look around to the right, you're going to find somebody near you that needs some help. Most people want to change the world, but they don't want to change themselves. So mm-hmm. make, it, make a difference for yourself. Find out your, your, your husband, your spouse, your kids. Love them. Be kind to them. And when they do that, they'll unconsciously do the same to the people around them, and that'll make a difference. Okay. Um, so, so don't do the give. What, do you still think we should be giving blood and donating to the Red Cross and things like that on top of that? Or um, are I those think, needs? I, I, do you, I think, yeah, yeah, look, there's, there's always going to be. It's always going to be. And the thing is, but we're back to the next thing, right? There's always right. going to be a next thing. There's always going to be stuff like that. And so what I, I think it is you look at yourself. See, why do we have to wait for a tragedy to give blood? Why do we have to wait for a tragedy to give a percentage of our money? I think if you're doing the right thing, per se, you're constantly thinking, hey, what is, what's, the, what's the best? I mean, you're, you're, this is the title, the best over you. If you're already the best over you, you've been giving blood. If you're the best right. over you, you're already being kind and compassionate. You're doing those things. So for me to come to you and say, hey, I know you gave blood already, even before any of these things happened, give more blood, give more money. No, if you're doing your best already, well, then you're living the best over you life. You know, I really like that, too. Thank you for being here today because, you know, you get into this um, pickle where you do really give blood. Like my husband gives blood as often as he can. Uh, for example, we donate regularly and all that stuff. So, yeah. you know, we, we you feel like you're already doing your best. And then another thing happens and you feel like you're sort of at your, you're, you know, struggling to help more people. And there's this sort of guilt. Um, no, so that, no, don't live a, for next. Don't live for next. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point that you just made again. So I love I love talking to you. You always learn so many things. <laughs> I still have your say yes more than you say no thing too. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you, you still do that? Good. Say yes more than you say no. Yes. Yeah. yeah look, it, we're, we're all going to have some kind of regret at the end, I'm sure, but it's not going to be for the things you said yes to. It's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be for the stuff you said no to. All right. Well, thank you. I kept you three minutes over, but I just always love talking to you. I hope you'll come back on again and share your wisdom. I, and Absolutely. Whenever, I'll have you right. on as often as you want me. Oh, awesome. I love that. All right. Congratulations on your book. I'm so proud of you. And uh, thank it's a great you. book. Everybody listening, go read Fred's book, The Buffer Zone, um, <laughs> available at thebufferzonediet.com. It's on Amazon. It's at the bookstores. And then he's on Twitter, um, at Fred Quayer. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Fred, for being with me today. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.